episode of movies that make us i'm jake i'm tracy and i'm val and we are back with another episode in fantasy february we've got a fun one planned for you but before we jump into that how are you guys doing doing good good, good. i'm trying to have all of my um boba fett stuff in the screen today because boba has not gotten a lot of love lately the mandalorian yeah. seems to be taking all the love has and i just want to say Boba has earned that love, but this is the thing. There is a place for both of them. You Absolutely. can you can like both. Yes. Um so I love both characters. I'm disappointed in the show. Outside of one episode. <laughs> which only had one of the characters. Like, it looks like Boba Fett's growing out of my head, which is I, <laughs> that's not a bad look though. Well, you'll notice if you're gonna have something grow out of your head. I've got my Boba Fett Yay! Lego head on display, and my Mando's up there. Yes, uh-huh. so I've I've got them both represented. I love Boba Fett. I think he's one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. I I really do. I I think my struggle with the show isn't Boba Fett, right. and it's not that we're getting his backstory, and it's not that we're getting how he recovered or anything. Like I get it. And and before somebody says, well, you just don't like character-driven, story-driven, you want action. Shut up. That's not true. Like, I'm just <laughs> going to tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> I, there are plenty of movies Take that I enjoy. today. Yeah, <laughs> there are plenty of shows and movies that I enjoy that are very story-driven. I read epic fantasy books in my spare time. Like, trust me, I get the story He's and the boring character enough development. on his own that this is fine. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think for me... I think it has been too slow. Like it, they're building to something, but I'm just waiting to see what they're building to. And I don't feel like they're giving us enough to know what they're building to. And the other thing is, listen, I've been to Tatooine now. I don't know how many times it, <laughs> there's gotta be other planets in the galaxy that we could have this take place. And I get that it's integral bec- to the story because that's where he came out of the Sarlacc pit. I get that he's taking over Jabba's empire, all of that stuff. But like, seriously, how many times have we been to Tatooine now? Mm-hmm. My son Ben doesn't know any other name of any other planet in Star Wars except for Tatooine. <laughs> now he's five, but that's how much it's in his consciousness. Like, oh yeah, Tatooine. He knows that's where Luke's from. He knows that's where Anakin's from. Now Jabba, Boba Fett. Like, I don't know, but I will say, and, and what I want is more of what we got in the latest episode of, yes. of Boba Fett. They should do every episode like that episode and call it Mandalorian season three, and it would be fine. <laughs> Well, my problem is, is we're five kidding, episodes, gal. we're five episodes done out of a seven episode run, and I have no idea what the what the story on this is, why this exists. Like the first episode of Mando, we get introduced to Grogu, yeah, and we're like, okay, I know what this show is about, and I don't have that with Boba. Fett. But I think you guys have to go in at a different angle because we knew Boba Fett um before his show came out right we've known him for years and years we didn't know the mandalorian and so i think we were more like this is new this is fun this is exciting if we would have known the mandalorian and then we got him and we knew a little bit about grogu and we got that and we're like okay well now we're just figuring out how they met each other 
I think we would have a similar feeling, except the budget was bigger on the Mandalorian. If you can yeah. fathom that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it has that feel of, of star Wars, I think a little bit more than Boba. Right. So what, yeah. what I don't, what I don't love about Boba Fett, and this is not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the labyrinth, yeah. but we always spend 15 minutes talking about whatever the heck we want before we talk about that. So this is what we're doing. Um, ramble done. Uh, what I, I love learning his backstory. I think this is um, one, it, it gets us to know a lot of characters in the star Wars universe that we've only had a glance at. And that's exactly who Boba is. We only got a glance with about Boba in the movies. We've only had a glance with half all of the people that he's interacting with on a more in-depth experience. But what I don't love is that I feel like it's outside of those flashbacks that are intense. The rest mm -hmm. of it's cheesy. Like yeah. the, the what's on scene, what's on the screen is yes. cheesy. Like the they game. just, yeah, that biker gang, I feel That's like we scooters. that like that whole scene with them, you oh. can tell that it's on a backlot set. Oh, yeah. you can tell like with the Mandalorian, you couldn't tell that they were in a small room for most of the things. And so right. I I think the attention to detail um when it comes to the set and the feeling of being at Tatooine is mm. what we're missing. I feel like if we felt more like we were there and that it was more real that it would be good. We have to go back there because that's where Boba was. I right. think I think after this season, we're going to be out of it because this is just us now finding out where he's been, what he's doing now, and what's coming forward. And the fact that they brought in the Mandalorian, now they've both been in each other's series, so it's going to be meshed. Yeah. I just wish, again, outside of the flashbacks um, scenes, because the fighting in the flashback scenes is way better than the fight scenes mm -hmm. In yeah. the now scenes is very cheesy, and I don't understand why he doesn't utilize the powerful fighting that he knows that they're showing us that mm -hmm. he knows, and why he's not using his um his jetpack and why like yeah. all I'm yelling at the screen like you have you shouldn't be losing right now. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's uh -huh. what I'm not loving about it, and and so I think a lot of people are like, okay, this is not this is cheesy. It's not believable. Blah blah blah. So they they take out of they don't see the good things that we need to know because yep. there's so many things that just take us out of the moment well and, and i and sorry tracy go ahead just real <laughs> quick that i'm so disappointed because the showrunner is robert rodriguez and yeah. i love his work and his work is usually so tight and so well defined like when he directed that episode of the mandalorian i was like as soon as that action started i'm like this is Rod robert rodriguez and yeah. I've never felt that in the Boba Fett series. I don't feel like the editing's tight. I don't feel like the story's tight. I don't feel like it's got any kind of momentum. I do think that it is going to pick up with episode six and episode seven. I do think one of the things that we get at the end of episode four is he mentions, or when he comes out of the, the tank thing, mm -hmm. the back to tank, it says that his healing is complete. And so I think he he just wasn't totally healed in the other stuff that we saw. And so I think that we're going to see some more of that bad a Boba that we want to see. Like we want to see that. And yeah. I get that. I, I love the character development idea. And I love that we're dealing with someone who's, who's working through some stuff, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I like that. I like my characters to have depth, but we also need a little bit of that action. I will say that there are some highlights. I do love um, dark uh, Karastin or whatever. The, oh yeah. The Wookiee. The, the Wookie yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He, yeah. He's great. 
Um, but I Same do think scary. that there have been some major missteps. The 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 biker gang, not just the Vespas that they drove, but also <laughs> that was the slowest car chase ever. <laughs> it was like that episode in cinema history. Like, it's it like was that episode awful. of Seinfeld where George is on that little electric wheel. Yes. <laughs> it was very similar to that. And, you and need that to was put just... that meme together, Tracy. <laughs> Build that meme, please. And that was just a misstep. And so for me, this just hasn't been as strong as the Mandalorian. Now, do I still like it? Let me, let me assure I, I if, if it's Star Wars and it's mediocre Star Wars, it's better than most of the stuff that's out there for me. So I'm still enjoying it and I'll yeah. still watch the last yeah. two episodes. Um, and I, and I'll give them that, you know, this, this was made at a very difficult time mm-hmm. all the way around. And so there are maybe some things that they wanted to do that they couldn't do, or they had to find different ways to do it that just didn't work out. Um, and so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt there, but the best episode so far was the last episode and it was all about the Mandalorian directed by Bryce Dallas, Howard. And Bryce Dallas Howard comes Jesus in strong again on this one. Really so, strong. Yeah. So she's, anyway, she's got something, you know, I think she's, she's going to do, she's, she's going to do good uh, things. She's, I think we're going to see more about, <laughs> I, I don't I think she's got a chance in this business. She's got a chance. <laughs> Remember that name. I, oh wait. I I mean it it I mean it's to the level like it might even be genetic. I don't know who are her parents. Anybody that we know? Anybody we've heard of? Don't make me do a spit take. That would be bad. I'm sorry. I would love for you to do a spit take. Like if we could get you to do a spit take, that would be just awesome. So if I could if I could aim it away from the computer, that would be <laughs> so but speaking of uh, a universe that's filled with great special effects, practical effects, and costuming. We're now going to talk about another movie that has a lot of that same kind of thing going on, uh, and that is the classic Labyrinth. I mean, when we're talking about doing a fantasy month, this was one that was mentioned. I'm like, yeah, we've got to do it, because I think it's just so nostalgic, so classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly, and then a bunch of not people. And that's <laughs> what this movie is, and it's awesome. <laughs> Jake, yeah, I have I, to say, your segue skills just get better and better every week. I hope so. We've been doing this for almost three years, so hopefully <laughs> I've gotten better than I was at the beginning. And pretty soon they'll be so good that we don't point them out and we just let the show just happen. Let it go. Um, I, I thought we were. I thought we were there this time, but yeah, I, so I did I. I wanted to bring a little bit of acknowledgement. Um, so I think I watched this movie at least once a week for a year when I was a kid, like mm-hmm. my parents probably got so sick of us watching this movie. Um, I don't know what it was about it as a kid that made me want to watch it. Cause let's be real. Labyrinth is weird. Oh yeah. It is, totally it is. is weird. It is um, a little sketchy uh-huh. uh, when you uh-huh. watch it, not as a child and you watch it <laughs> as an adult and you're thinking, wait a second, this is a little kidnappy. This is a little bit like, this is weird. This is a weird, you're, this you're is drugging, a weird you're drugging a girl and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's get into like the unpopular chat and then let's totally make it right. like all about the love. All right. All right. I like this one. <laughs> This is definitely a movie that is a product of its time because the eighties, you could get away with like child child Mm -hmm. endangerment was no big deal in the eighties. It was like, that's fine. 
We're just throwing like, this baby as high as we can. I've got this idea for a family movie. We're going to like the kids are going to love it. We're going to put this babysitter in trouble that we've got this baby that's been so sounds perfect. The kids will love it. Let's do it. That was the 80s. I mean, you look at like Adventures and Babysitting is based on that, that kind of a premise. This movie, right? Yes. <laughs> yep. And it was also it was also uh, Vincent DeFornio's De uh, actual D'Onofrio. Thank you his actual first appearance in the MCU, but as Thor instead of Kingpin. Yeah. Not in Labyrinth, but in the Adventures in and Babysitting. Adventures and Babysitting. Yeah. But thank Take you. Take back what you th said about Thor. I also <laughs> watched that movie like a lot, a lot. That was one of my favorites. And it might've been. <laughs> I'm also drinking wine because I can. So It's Saturday, man. You can do whatever you want. It's Saturday. And, and we do, if you guys have listened to the show, we do typically uh, record early on Saturday mornings, but it is in the afternoon today. Yeah, this so is not a, 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 sure. a 9.30 a.m. drinking. And I don't drink very often, um, but for some reason, I just feel like I need some wine this week. You're bringing yeah. some class to the show. I mean, like that. Yeah, I, this is actually, nice let me, let me, I'll let you guys know. I did um, a Friday movie spotlight um, last night for what to see with Val. So it was a Friday night. This is leftover wine from last night. That's how classy I am. It's well, a day old. Listen, listen, this is my water mug. Okay. I've got a Baymax mug. Here. That's super. I've got a half eaten Subway sandwich. Oh, why, here, are you, so. why are you letting that go to the waste? Just eat that, man. That looks delicious. So, anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, um, Subway's yeah. not a sponsor, by the way. They could be if they wanted to. Hit us up. We're fine. We'll go for it. So Labyrinth, I want to do some unpopular things really quick. And people are going to be like, why do you have to do that to everything? Why can't we just leave things the way they were? Because it's fun to pull stuff apart. That's what we do here. Um, we all, as a, as a young woman, I know that most young women, when this, when this movie came out, you know, I was like 10 or something. When did this movie come out? I don't know. 1986. I was I way younger than 10. I was going to say um, than you. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we all wanted to be her, right? We we're like, she is beautiful. She is strong. And then I think now I'm like, she was totally like gaslighted into this whole situation by this predatorial older man. Because <laughs> she's like a teenager babysitter. And then is supposed to be the bride to this crazy, I don't know, even know what he is. He's not human. He's yeah. not a sorcerer. He's, a, he's, he's not a, a witch. He's a he king. Is he, he's, he's a, a king. king. He's a, he's co a goblin, goblin king. king, but he's not a goblin. He, he also he went, he went and colonized those people. <laughs> <laughs> he also, I mean, you, you mentioned Jennifer Conley being beautiful and and like a princess. That's also Jareth, the goblin king, is yeah, also beautiful and dressed beautiful like a princess. princess for most of this. And I mean, looked amazing. <laughs> but again, we didn't think twice of it in the eighties, oh. we just thought David Bowie's awesome. He's going to be in this movie. Jennifer Connelly is beautiful. She looks like she's in her twenties, but she probably like was 18? honest. She was supposed to be 14, but she was probably 18. Right. I don't think so. I, let's I don't know. Was, was she, she was close to the, we'll she's pretty young. Was pretty, um, I feel like she's another one of those people that doesn't age. Like she has the Paul yes. Rudd like syndrome. They don't age, but, um, but we she was think 16. Oh, so she was 16. Or 16. Yeah. David Bowie Probably was what in his 30s? Probably. Probably yeah. in his 30s, right? Yeah. And but we didn't think anything about it because it's fantasy and it's the 80s. Right. Yeah. 
But this movie would not be made like this now. No, they it won't. absolutely wouldn't. No, I mean, like, and I don't think we should remake it. By the way, friend no. of the program, friend of the program, Adrian Rop pointed out about the fireies, and I had forgotten about that scene. They were like <laughs> popping off their heads and throwing. Them yeah, <laughs> about that's what came on last night, and I'm like, oh wow, flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Like that scene by itself, the no studio would back that. No, especially now that the Henson Company is owned by Disney. Disney would be like, mm, yeah, yeah. This, Disney looks. Well, I don't know. Dark Crystal just got remade by Netflix, but I don't know that Disney was totally involved with that a whole yeah, lot. I'm not sure, but I kind of feel like Disney's kind of applying the Bruno rule to Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Like we, we don't talk about. <laughs> That's how they treat all the Jim Henson properties. That's also true, but especially <laughs> Labyrinth. Um, but I mean, the great thing about these movies is that they are super fantasy, and you forget about all those things. I don't want to throw shade on movies that were made years and years ago. Things change every day. I also feel like I'm very have a strong feeling that that now in movies, no fun will be had. Yeah. I feel like we have to be so tight about everything that we're doing, talking about, showing that sometimes we we lose that creative. We I'm I'm not saying that we if there's a fine line between telling a story and being inappropriate. Oh definitely. Um and those lines are super fine right now with all different types of structure yeah. and all yeah. different types of storytelling. And so people that are writing and making movies right now, like kudos for you know having to go through that process and i do think that there are a lot of things that should change and that have changed that are that are correct but i do think there are some things that little things that i'm like really is that a big deal you know yeah. so well and i think when you talk about aspects of this movie and you're right i don't think it would be made today like this or mm -hmm. at all but when you talk <laughs> about certain aspects of this movie like the fact that he gaslights her into a deal where she's going to marry him and and things like that like that would happen in a fantasy world like this and it's yeah. a, it's a story of like this is really bad and he's a bad guy yeah he's a villain doing yeah. villainous awful bad things and it's okay <laughs> to have villains do villain things but he's yes. so pretty yeah but that's the that's another lesson that's though, the mesmerizing right? <laughs> evil, evil can be pretty it's still evil. It and usually is. Yeah. Like it's enticing. <laughs> That's why people go for it. And so like, and so this movie, it's not trying to make the point that like, yeah, Jareth has it figured out. And this is how you should as a 30 year old go out and find a bride. No, it is absolutely like he's, he's a bad he's wearing guy. Spandex and he has Tina Turner's piece. hair. This is not anacod piece. This is not a regular everyday situation. <laughs> this is fantasy. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I wear a cod piece on the regular. Yeah, well, you, you have six children. I think that's a good call. Yeah. You can never be too safe. It's true. Jake's like, I'm wearing one now. <laughs> In fact, oh. we have movies that make us cod pieces, and you'll be able to get, get your own. Just in case you need one, we have them on our site. You can cover your face and cover oh, your. I, I wish that was so true because it would be awesome. Keep yourself I mean, safe on both ends. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> oh. I, so, 
yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think that that's something that we miss sometimes. And, and I agree. Things need to change. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that there are some good changes that are happening in Hollywood right now with a lot of the movies that are being made. But sometimes I think we do take it too far. And I think in a case like this, we would be like, oh, no, that's totally inappropriate. So we can't have a character doing that. Well, he's not doing it to say, hey, we should do this and this is the way to go. It's to demonstrate how evil and awful and bad he is. And I think sometimes we need that in a story. And we I mean, I grew up in the 80s and I never like I didn't come out. Well, grew up in the 90s mostly, but I didn't come out of growing up and think, yeah, this is what I should do to find. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. And that's a whole different conversation because there is a whole lot of people that came out of the eighties generation. I agree. That do have, that do have some wrong thoughts in the world, but I mean, that's a different conversation. Um, That's more with parenting and community than it is with what you see on um, the screen. We should do an episode about that though, um, about what you see on the screen. Um, So one of my favorite moments of the movie that I forever will remember is when she first enters the labyrinth mm-hmm. and we have the little snail mm-hmm. and yeah. they have the the conversation about hello hello no i said hello like i love the little guy <laughs> yeah. and i love that totally ridiculous conversation about nothing for my mm-hmm. for the rest of my life i will remember every time somebody says labyrinth i immediately think of the little guy and yep. i think it's awesome yeah. Well, well and, and there are so many interactions like that. Go ahead, Tracy. I was going to say the thing that I found last night watching it was just how creative Henson and his team were on this film. Like just from a filmmaking standpoint, like they have the wall and they have another wall in front of it, line, but it's lined up perfectly. And the way the camera sits, it looks like it's just a blank wall. And then they just move it slightly when she realizes that she can go behind it. And it's just little things like that, that were just, that it was, I'm like, okay, that's some real clever thinking of taking something from the script and visually translating that on the screen. And this was before we could just do about anything in the, in the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what makes these kinds of movies so amazing is the fact that with all of these practical effects, they accomplish the same thing that they, that we now use computers for and i'm not here's i can't sit at a computer and do what gets done on film oh, no. in, in you know with computer graphics so i don't want to sell any of that short but there's just something about like having to be creative and in okay how are we going to accomplish this and then making it happen um and i think it's interesting because i look at this film and i look at dark crystal and it, it was almost like jim henson was like look we can do muppets and they're great and people love the muppets and the muppets are amazing but look at all this other stuff that we can do with our yeah. talents and our abilities. And because it is a very different feel than anything that you see in the Muppet movies. Mm-hmm. There's a real darkness to this film. Yeah. There's, a, there's an edge, there's danger that you don't get in any of the Muppets films per se. Um, but yeah. you do get in, in dark crystal. Yep. And, and I think that was a big reason. So I did not see this film until I was in high school. Is that weird? Oh. That's weird. Right. That's a little weird in Utah. Because I feel like this is like a coming of age film. It is a big film in Utah. Utah's got some weird films that are big films, and this uh-huh. is one of them. They have some that are not weird, like Princess Bride is another one that's huge that's in Utah. That is huge everywhere. Yeah, but but like it makes sense. This one doesn't as much. But this was a weird one, and I think my parents kind of steered away from it because it was a little bit dark, a little bit edgy for a kids' film. 
Uh-huh. But I remember watching this with my friends and being like, this is amazing. Like this is right up my alley. Cause I've, I was a big Tim Burton fan still am. And I think mm-hmm. this kind of fits in that same, not mm-hmm. the Jim, not the Tim Burton world, but the same feel as that. Right. Right. But yeah. I remember watching this in high school with my friends. We were over at one of their houses and this was our cool friend that always had us over and they had a laser disc player and we watched this on laser disc. Oh, it was, that was awesome. relevant for a month. Yeah, yeah, I know it was, this, it was, this, what's that Tracy? I had, I had laser disc. We had, you had Annie, laser disc. We had Annie star Wars, Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving special. And, uh, the jazz singer, the Neil diamond film. Wow. <laughs> that is, that is quite the collection of films that you had on laser disc. Like not the number, but just the the diversity the, the, there. That's that's what started my diversity of film. That's why I can go from the Muppets to Pan's Labyrinth and be okay. Yeah. Well, I will say that as of now, I know two people in my life that have that owned an, a laser disc player. You and my friend. <laughs> yes. And I just remember thinking it was so cool because they were like giant CDs, and he would just take them out, and he'd have to flip it over. He was the only one that was allowed to touch it. For our <laughs> his friends weren't allowed to touch it. So for our younger listeners, a CD was like an iPod, except with limited music. I know I should use a better example. It was like it, it's like a Blu-ray disc, but it was bigger, and you had to flip it over halfway through the film. And it didn't matter how long. The it's film a record was, player for movies. To, yeah, Ooh, it was awesome. I like that. It was awesome. Yeah. If you uh, still have that Star Wars, by the way, that is like Star Wars on Laserdisc is legendary because that's the best version of Star Wars out there. It's true. This because is it's before... digital. It would be on DVD, but it's not special edition. Like that's, it's highly sought after. So if you still have it, I have to, I have to treasure it. <laughs> but the thing, um, uh, never mind. I, I can't remember where I was going to go. So, Ta-da. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what I loved as a kid, and I didn't realize um, what it was at the time, is the cinematography that tricked us um, uh-huh. to thinking that things were so much bigger than yeah. they were. Um, I love it when she gets on top of the labyrinth and mm-hmm. the color changes. So when she's in the labyrinth, it's very gray and blue, and you know, and then she gets on top of the labyrinth, and it's kind of like this high fantasy, mm. you know, realm of places. And it oh, and you, it, it seems like it's the labyrinth is just this huge, you know, place that she's been in. And you're thinking as a kid, wow, like that's crazy to think that she's been in there and doing all that stuff. And then when she gets to the junkyard. Um, the junkyard scene, I mean, my mom used to call my bedroom that like, (laughs) you know, that scene in the labyrinth with the lady, you're going to turn into that lady, go clean your room. You're going to have to climb into your, you know, like that was often my mom would say that my room was exactly like that. But, um, but you know, just to make you feel like there's so much stuff and you know, that that's on a set. Like at the time, Mm -hmm. I don't think about it. You think that, you know, it looks so Mm -hmm. vast. And Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're on a set and you don't feel like these are not real people. Like I didn't feel like they were puppets at all. Any of these creatures. Um, And then you sink down into this house, you know, like that whole feeling and how that coloring changes once you get in there and you kind of feel gritty as you're Mm -hmm. watching it, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of feel like you smell like savers. Well, and it's interesting too, because not a lot of people know that, (laughs) You also know that when you walk in there, it smells like something else. Not yeah. bad, just like Savers. Savers has a smell, just like every elementary school has a smell. That's also true. <laughs> a new car has a smell. Yep. 
Savers smells like savers. <laughs> the Sawsberries taste like <laughs> And and fortunately, new cars do not smell like savers. This so is true. That's... Um, but one of the things not a lot of people know is Henson actually kind of started off his film career as an experimental filmmaker. And I think that really comes into play during this this film. And when I was in school, we, we saw some of his early works. And I see a lot of it, especially in the in the pit with the hands. Mm -hmm. Like that is so different and so yeah. creative and it's unnerving, but yet cool, you know. And yeah. you could see something like that in Sesame Street, but not to this extent, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think it's interesting when you talk about how it does you do feel transported to this world. And this is the second week in a row that we're talking about a movie where you do feel like you're in this world and this right. stuff that is unbelievable. And these creatures that are, are so fantastical, you do feel like they're real and you do feel like you're part of that. And we're using two very different mediums to make that happen. Uh, and I, I just think that's impressive. And that's what I love about film is you can watch. And, and, and when we talk about the fantasy genre, you can watch films that do these things and accomplish these things in so many different ways. And it's just fascinating to see. Well, and I think too, I, I think of all the people who must have worked on this movie, like the, the scene with the, you remind me of the babe. What babe? There, the babe <laughs> with the power. What power? What power? The power of voodoo. Hoodoo. You do. You do. <laughs> um, which is actually from a, I didn't know this until recently. That's from an old Cary Grant, Shirley Temple movie. Yeah, I saw that video pop up somewhere too. And I was like, wait, we're talking about Labyrinth that this is in Labyrinth. <laughs> I saw that like a couple of weeks ago pop up on something. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but I mean, in that scene, you've got like 40 different puppets happening and they're doing wide shots. Like they're not yeah. just doing close-ups to kind of make it look like it's yeah. You've got like 40 puppets and then you've got probably what, five or six people in goblin costumes <laughs> dancing around and jumping and then you've got bowie and then i love on the wide shots when he throws the baby like it's so obviously a fake baby but it's right <laughs> well and if you have kids um over the last 10 years you can see some of the work that they figured out how to do in there in the grouchland videos my daughter was totally into grouchland and when you get into the grouchland videos they will have like all these different um, Muppets everywhere in broad screens, full bodies, you know, that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. when I saw that, I was like, you know, this is, you know, they're, they're utilizing things that they created. Like yeah. none of these happened, none of these things happened before Nobody them. Yeah. They had to create how everything would look. So just think about how long it took to, to put this film together because mm -hmm. there was probably a year at least before oh. they started shooting anything where they were testing mm -hmm. and rebuilding and re you know well, doing where all of the puppet masters are going to go and i was going to say know. you can't just build the set you've got to build the set so you can hide the puppeteers and you can yeah. hide yeah yeah thinking about that scene with the that's like a i want to see behind the scenes with all the yeah. puppet masters, like like reaching their <laughs> arms up and like people like they've got a it's amazing amazing well, it, what they could it's do crazy too because now you do a character like ludo you just you computer animate it mm -hmm. right. like they had to build this suit they had somebody inside the suit 
And then they had four puppeteers controlling the motors to control the eyes and the ears and the mouth. I and love them all, so much. They all had to work simultaneously yeah. and they, they would practice for yeah. weeks in advance so they could kind of feel how the other people were going to go in the moment. And because, you know, acting is all about reacting. And so being able to know that your guy's about to do this, so I'm going to do this. That's, that's just incredible to me. That's crazy. And the, the puppeteer had a TV screen in his belly. They had a, a video <laughs> they had a video camera in one of his ears and that's how she could see. So she could move around the set. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Smell bad. <laughs> they all, I'm sure they all smelled bad. Can you imagine like being confined? Like it makes me that? feel claustrophobic just thinking about what it is like to be a puppeteer and yeah. you know i mean there were people waiting in line to be it's like an imagineer for disney you know like being involved in any of jim henson's projects and being there as they're inventing these things and just coming up with just so, so much creativity and ingenuity mm. you know just what a great time to be a creator you know oh, during yeah. that time mm. yeah well, and I love the fact that the Henson Studios would allow you to do this kind of creative work. It mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't completely hold up. I, if I'm looking at it now as sure. as, a, as an adult looking back on this film, there are, there's a lot of problems with the film, but th there's something just so refreshing to see how much fun these the filmmakers and the cast and the crew all had making this. Like you can tell they're just firing on all cylinders. Like what what if we did this? What if we, you know, um, yeah, just like I said, the, the part with the hands hooking Jennifer Conley up to a harness and hoisting her like 30 feet in the air and then having all these people in the set or behind the set with their hands coming through all doing these crazy caricatures. It's insane. Yeah, it, it is. It's incredible. And and speaking of people that were having fun, I mean, you look at the two human on screen human actors that we get to see with Jennifer Conley and David Bowie. I mean, could anybody else have been? jareth the goblin king no i i, I like honestly i that role yeah i was thinking about who else could we put in that role because of course we see him as that because he is cast at that but at the same time thinking about that character thinking about what that character should look like and how he should act um i don't know that I could find anyone else that could do it like that, that would be as believable because, you know, David Bowie's not an actor, but he mm -hmm. really sold this character. And by mm -hmm. the way, I think the name of this character is stupid. I've always thought that's a stupid name. If your name is that, I'm sorry, but it's stupid. Talk to your parents. Um, but I don't like, I don't no, look curious. I, I don't find out how many people are named Jareth. <laughs> I just think like looking at a kid, your name, Jareth, send us an email in charge someone that is in charge of this like a big powerful person that name to me is not powerful do you mm. know what i mean like a jareth is like we're gonna go hang out and maybe sounds, eat some beef like sticks later character to me i don't play final fantasy so i don't know i i feel like that was an interesting thing about the jareth character in general i think in in fantasy movies and stories typically the big bad is is like looming and scary and dark and big and jareth wasn't that right like i right. agree like he doesn't the name doesn't sound super powerful but even just in his looks he wasn't overly large he wasn't dark or sinister but he was in the way that he behaved in the things that he did um and i think that it was almost 
challenging a lot of like the classic who is the main bad guy villain type mm -hmm. character um, and kind of giving us a different archetype for that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know the studio was the name, but I agree. I don't like the name either, but Hanson was talking about possibly having Michael Jackson. They talked about sting. Um, there's a couple others. I can't remember, I but think, if you I think somebody... sting could have done it, but I think it would have had a different tone. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I'm not even going to comment on Michael Jackson in the role because I just think there are too many weird comments we can make and I'm not going to uh -huh. go there. So, uh -huh. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, if you want somebody who's got, who was an 80s singer who had a great voice, who is charismatic, but you want somebody completely opposite of Bowie, whereas Bowie is so pretty, this person is not. You want somebody that looks like a goblin, Val? Danny Elfman. Or Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. If you put Meatloaf on there, I would say, yeah, he's he's the king of the goblins. He's kidnapping children. I, I like I like Meatloaf and rest in peace, sir. Um, but like I think uh, his name was Rob Polson, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, but I mean it would have been different. Sting, he does have the the charisma and but I do think he's a little more um and I can say this because, you know, I know. You smelled it. Yeah. You smelled um, sting. <laughs> uh, um, he, I think, I think he could have pulled it off and I think it would have mm -hmm. been equally as believable. But what David Bowie brings to it is David Bowie has this smile. Sting smiles and you know, there's something behind there, right? You're thinking yeah. you, you look like you're nice, but something's going to happen later. Like we're, we're going to get into some trouble. Whereas Bowie smiles and you think it could be trouble, but you think it's going to be super fun trouble. trouble. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you're enticed. And I think that's the whole thing is that we're mm. enticed by things that we don't know. And, and as kids, as teenagers, we are enticed by beautiful, shiny people and things. And especially in the eighties, that's all they pushed was oh, yeah. beautiful, shiny people. Like mm -hmm. if you are not beautiful, if you are not shiny, if you are not, you know, yeah. in the public Christy eye, you are not important at mm -hmm. all. Um, and so, you I'm know, glad Instagram that... has gotten over that fad. <laughs> <laughs> what Instagram has brought us is we see all different kinds of beauty now. That is it's true. not the same. It's not the same kind of beauty over and over. Um, but uh, but I do think there's something enticing about him. Like Jake said, is that he doesn't look evil. He doesn't yeah. look like a villain. Um, he looks like, he looked like one of my Barbie dolls. Like I think my Ken doll had the same hair and the same outfit. Um, and I'm pretty sure they based his hair on Jim from Jim and the, <laughs> whatever, the old rock and roll band yep. cartoon yep. show. Um, but it is that push and pull. Like who is, who is the villain and what, what are we saying is you've got all these goblins, but the person in charge of the goblins is a freaking supermodel superstar singer, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I will say about Sting, I think one of the big concerns would be um, having listened closely to the lyrics of Don't Stand So Close to Me. <laughs> I don't think the story is a good direction for him to go. That's one song. One song. Yes. Um, and then as far as Danny Elfman goes, you know, I love me, Danny Elfman. Like right. he, his film music career is amazing. Um, his rock career was amazing. I follow the guy on Instagram. He has become the Goblin King in real life. <laughs> he is a, a weird, weird dude. He seems oh. like a super nice guy, but he is weird. Mm -hmm. So I could see him as the Goblin King now. No problem. And he's got the pipes. 
Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. He could do. But I, I just feel like David Bowie at the time was just oh, the yeah. right person yeah. for this. Do you, um, um, do you guys, it felt like watching it last night. I felt like I remembered it being more music. Like, yeah. I, was like I can't think of what would be like, I'm sure I'm not watching an, an edited version, but it felt like when I was a kid, this thing was chock full of music. Yeah. And like I when I get that. When I think back on it, I think of it as like a giant mu- music video Useful. from like start to finish, and uh-huh. and it's it's not. There's a there's a couple of songs in it, but I think those songs are so iconic that they just stick out so much. That's probably true. That's actually a really good. I point. do think that it's a bit long. I do mm-hmm. think uh-huh. that it could be tight, which is weird that a whole bunch of kids like it because we used to pay attention to things back then. Like, um, I feel like, and I'm not saying there are some youth now that would be just fine watching this movie and all the way through but i don't know that it would get made because we would think that mm-hmm. our kids need things to be mm-hmm. you know up yeah. here um but you know for a movie that's you know directed to a youth culture i think it was very long for yeah. but i think that's how it was like you know i think uh a lot of his movies were long back then i don't know how long the dark crystal was but that seemed in my mind pretty long as well yeah 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 Yeah, and i think i think that's true i think that's another example of it being a product of its time because i think movies in general um to kids were longer than movies are today for kids yeah movies in general were shorter Mm -hmm. overall i think you rarely went over you rarely went over two hours and now the average movies two and a half yeah and the Batman is almost three hours. And listen, filmmakers, you can tighten up some of these movies. They don't need to be two and a half hours long. <laughs> just saying. I just want to say shout out to most of the Sundance movies that I watched um, were under two hours. So thank you. Nice. There was one I want to bring up because I would like to talk about it later. And I, I feel like if I throw it out here, then sometimes I can hold you guys accountable for it. I do think we need to talk about um, we need to talk about Cosby. Oh, definitely want yeah, to see that. That is for hours, but it's because it's going to be on Showtime as a series. Yeah. Um, but there are so many things that happen in that documentary that we should talk about that aren't mm-hmm. just about what you think it's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just going to throw that I out there. Nothing but good about that documentary. I'm very interested to see that one. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's one that we should talk about um, for sure. I'm I'm game for it. Yay! <laughs> Who's your guys' favorite character other than the two humans in this movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I'm I probably Tracy There's just something about Ludo that's just so lovable. <laughs> I like yeah. I like Ludo a lot. Um, and I'm trying. I'm going to look it up really quick um, because I do like the main goblin no, as I well. Know. I'm going to switch. I like the, the tile people where the she's tile marking, people. She's marking the lipstick and they're like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like she just drew on their roof. And so they just flip so, it around. So are you saying you like hoggle? I do like hoggle. I think hoggle doesn't yeah. get enough love for who he is. Hoggle should be in charge. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like hoggle should, you know, get the revolution going. I, I against... think he probably does in the sequel that never happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's the sequel that they decided after seeing Return to Oz that they shouldn't make a sequel. To that. 
Well, and it's interesting too. Hoggle's voiced by Brian Henson. Mm-hmm. Oh. I didn't know. Yeah. Yep. But then yeah, and he's and- he's probably my favorite non-human character as well. I just think he's he's fun. He's the type of character that you need in that kind of you know movie. Do you guys do you guys know what happened to the Hoggle puppet? No. It got shipped at one point and ended up in a in a an airport in I think Arkansas and it was unclaimed luggage and they waited for a while and it was in a crate and nobody claimed it and so they opened it up and it freaked the guy out because he was like, <laughs> what? and uh and it's now it's it's permanently on display in their lost luggage museum. Oh my god that <laughs> really? is so random yeah. <laughs> you would think Henson Studios could go and be like hey can we can we have that back? Uh, the unclaimed baggage center in Scottsboro, Alabama. And it remains in the unclaimed baggage museum ever since. Yeah. You know a I, lot of weird stuff, Tracy. If I, if I ever happen to be in Scottsboro, Alabama, I will go check that out. But I am not going out of my way to go to Scottsboro to check that out. That's not a real destination city. I mean, it is now. Um, yeah. Well, now that we've talked about it, for sure. Like, everybody's going to go check out Hoggle. At Scottsboro, I did see a place that we need to record from. Somebody has made an Airbnb and made it to look like the Haunted Mansion from Disneyland. And there's like a Master Gracie suite. There's a Madame. Find Leo out suite. how much it costs and let's, like let's maybe plan this for next you can year. Have up to six people. Nine hundred bucks uh, a night. Okay. Where is it located? It's in California. I think in Stockton. Okay. Okay. But it's cool. They have like the wallpaper, and they have like different uh holographic things to make it look like the ghosts are there it's it's pretty sweet i'll 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 this send is you the, the new this is the new big thing that people are doing is these themed vacation yeah. rentals that you can yeah. go to and they typically do them around disneyland or around disney world and universal studios to try to and then the know. holiday spell they do change it up to be the nightmare before christmas haunted holiday wow so all right all right i have to check that i can i can save up 150 bucks so that we can get six people and i'll go do a podcast from there and it has a jacuzzi in the backyard so oh well in that case (laughs) now i'm sold because i've always thought as i've gone through the graveyard at the end of haunted mansion you know what this place needs a jacuzzi That's so bad. anybody who has a jacuzzi. <laughs> Sorry, little Muppets reference there. Yeah. I love it. Um, I was so I was so disappointed though finding this out. Bowie did not do the crystal ball tricks with his fingers. And I'm what? so bummed. why are you don't stop talking right now? What are you doing to us? Yeah. And I was going to literally <laughs> say, as we talked about other people who could play it, I thought, well, who else could do that with their fingers? Apparently, David Bowie couldn't even do it. So it All didn't right, even so matter. Fine, finish it. You've already ruined our dreams. Sorry. Our I dreams. ruined mine, so I figured I might as well ruin yours. Wow. <laughs> now that's friendship, folks. I've ruined my life. Might as well ruin yours, too. We could all be miserable Come together. Along into my misery. This, this is how supervillains start. It's yeah. true. <laughs> you you said that I should not have gotten the red kyber crystal for my lightsaber. See, this is part of why. Yeah. 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 But they actually had the choreographer standing behind Bowie. And that, those are the choreographer's arms, and Bowie's arms are back behind him. And I'm like, oh, I want to see a picture of that. Cool. Like a I do too. picture yeah. out here of him I, doing I want the... there, there's I'll gotta be I'll make it up to you in the in the scene where Toby is sitting on Jarrah's lap. He would not stop screaming. And so they gave Bowie a sock puppet 
and he has a sock puppet off off screen <laughs> and he's making little faces with the sock puppet so that the baby will be quiet and pay attention. That's awesome. <laughs> so that makes up for it, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Bowie and his secret sock puppet. I, I, I hate to I hate to say this right now, but uh That's this, show, this show has ruined the term sock puppet for me forever. <laughs> So was it ever that... a good was it ever a good comment? Like sock puppet isn't something you should bring up ever. Well, it it got worse after I came on this show and we talked about Top Gun. But go back. <laughs> but, but listen, uh, so I don't know if that does help to rectify, like make up for not being able to do the hand. I don't think you should say rectify and sock puppet in the same show. <laughs> As it left my mouth, I thought that was the wrong word to use. See, when I bring stuff up, it was uh, already out there. Jake, when I bring stuff up, I'm complimenting you on your segue. She's calling you out on rectifying sock puppet. This is how you guys. He knew it was going to happen as soon as he said it. He was like, ah. Yeah, it was too late. And this is what's great about the show. You guys help me improve without letting me get too big headed about it, right? Like I, one I, of I, us gives the compliments, the other one just smacks him back down. Yeah. We it's take a toxic turns. relationship, we but it's turns. all we've got. It's all out of love. It's out of love. It's out of love. That's also not healthy. But. Uh, yeah. Well, but it's because she, no, anyway. <laughs> by the way, speaking of everything being out of love. So Encanto is huge now. I, I'm sure you guys oh, are aware. Of I'm this, so right? happy because I feel like nobody was going to watch the movie. Remember we talked about this, like yeah. everybody's like Encanto, who cares? And I'm like, no, everybody needs to watch. It's such a great movie. The soundtrack is incredible. And now the soundtrack is number one, like yeah. top of the music charts, not top of movie charts or animated charts. No, for music, music charts. Yeah. Of music charts. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the, the song, um, we don't talk about Bruno is number three, number three on the list. It makes me so happy. And it makes me happy too. And I loved Encanto. I think it's a great movie. But now everybody's going into how toxic everybody in Encanto was, including grandma all the way down. And I'm like, guys, and I get it. Like it's I get real life. We all have somebody in uh -huh. our life that we love that is like that, like that, like stop yeah. it. The, the reality is nobody in your family is perfect. And while Abuela was definitely controlling, I don't know that she was necessarily toxic. Right. But I also don't want to downplay if it makes you recollect something and helps and, and yeah. you feel that pain. Like That's I get what that the too. Story and is I don't want about. it. Right. You're supposed that to feel those things. You're supposed to have conversations. But if we have just super clean cut, like, why are we even making movies? Movies, uh -huh. and I've talked about this with almost everyone I've interviewed in this past week for Sundance, the best movies, the best documentaries, the best stories on screen are the ones that have you start a conversation. Absolutely. And Encanto is a story that should have you start so many conversations, conversations about immigrants, conversations about family, conversations about war, conversations about people that don't have the same rights as everyone else, conversations about how we treat our family and how we take our family for granted and how we don't notice people like Abuela, who has had to fight so long and so hard to keep her family intact that sometimes when you fight that hard, you end up doing some harm because you're so afraid of losing what you had to fight so hard for. So yep. yeah, it, it, it's exactly, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And, and you should definitely, and we should have all of those conversations as long as none of them are about Bruno, then we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give labyrinth a grade. 
Um, I'll, I'll start. I'm going to give it a B minus. Like, it's fun. I enjoy it. I don't know that this is one that necessarily, like, like I sat down and I watched it and I didn't feel like, hey, kids, come check this out because, I mean, it, it was fine. I agree, Tracy. It doesn't hold up as well. And Val, you brought up some of the problems that this movie has compared to today and the standards that we have today. However, the music is iconic. David Bowie mm-hmm. is amazing. And the creatures that were created by Henson Studios in this are just fantastic. Um, and for that reason, I would give it a B minus, which is still a great grade. Yeah, no, mine, I'm right with you with the B minus for all of those things. I watched this movie over and over as a kid. It did exactly what it was made to do. And that was to entertain me until I hit a certain age. Right. And now I watch it and I have the nostalgia and I have the appreciation for all of the technique and the technical measures that went into it. The story doesn't hold up. It is a little long for me um, mm-hmm. f- for what, um, you know, as an adult, I would have standards for. Um, but B minus is still a good grade. It's still in the B's man. B minus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right on the edge between a B and a B minus. Um, the, the story is really, really, really thin and doing a little research on it and reading about how many revisions the script went through, how they didn't get the final script until it was like two weeks before filming. Um, there's a lot of, of issues there the very thin characters there's it's just that is a that's a problem but then like jake said on the other side you've got all the technical prowess of the puppeteers and the creativity um this isn't a film that is held up as well some of them you go back and watch and you're like this still holds up this Mm -hmm. still looks good um this one looks very much like a product of its time the the fiery section is some really bad green screen. You get like some halo effect around Jennifer Conley. Um, but I enjoyed it. I don't know that I was going to say, I don't know that it would find an audience today, but it's still a cult classic here in Utah. And I'm sure a lot of parents are showing it to their kids who are ending up loving it as well. Um, and I was thinking about this last night and I think the only other, there's two people that, I would maybe be okay with them doing a remake of, and one would be Terry Gilliam, but I think that he's a little too off the spectrum now. I, if it was back in his early, like just post um, Monty Python days. I think, mm-hmm. I think he'd be able to, the, the time bandits era I'd be okay mm-hmm. with, but um, I'd be interested to see something done by Guillermo del Toro, just because this is like his wheelhouse and yeah. I'm interested to see his Pinocchio. He's already done a labyrinth movie, though. This uh, is labyrinth. It's, it's a totally different. different, by the way. Yeah, not, no, not don't show your all. kids that movie. I mean, it's, I mean, it's up to you. It's up yeah, to you how you, you know your, your kids children. better than we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There is labyrinth. We will be back next week with another fantasy movie episode. Thank you for joining us. Um, you can send us feedback in all of the places. You can send us an email if you want. If you're still old fashioned, that's fine. Um, but you can also reach out to us on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram. Um, we are at movies that make us everywhere except Twitter, where we are at movies make us. Um, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And hey, if you've got a comment about this episode, feel free to leave it on the episode on YouTube. We'll mm-hmm. see it there. And then we'll argue with you and tell you why you're wrong. It's fine. <laughs> this is how the internet works. This is how the internet works. <laughs> no, but we do appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And until next time, we won't see you at the movies. Dance, magic dance. Waiting for it. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.